Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. Before we get started with your show today, we'd just like to give a shout out to the podcast affiliates slash sponsors. The first people that we have, um, super excited about this, Nature's Image Farms. I've been looking for a good meat farmer around, and then I had Greg on. And I just kept thinking about how, man, it would be nice if I could just buy some local meat. And I was like, why don't I just buy some meat from Greg? And at the same time, Greg, shortly shortly after me thinking that, sends me a text asking if he could be a affiliate, if his farm could become affiliate with the podcast. And I said, absolutely, sir. So right now, if you want to get some, if you're in the Ohio area, you want to get some Kraft chicken, Kraft Thanksgiving turkey, or get on a list for hog. So he doesn't have any hog for sale now, but I'm sure he would take a list for the future. I don't know. I haven't said anything to him, so I'm sure I'll get a message from Greg saying if this is okay or not. But send it to him anyways. Greg needs to know if he has demand. And uh, right now, you can also get some forest-raised chicken. I just bought eight of them. Um, There's a funny photo that's on Facebook, and uh, I'll probably put it on the website as well, of me holding the taking the eight chicken challenge, and I could hold all eight frozen chickens in my arms. It's pretty fun and exciting. Um, Greg also, even if you're not in Columbus or even if you're not, um, in the Ohio area and, you know, let's say you want to get some comfrey, Greg actually does ship comfrey right now. He has Bocking four and 14. So just go to click on the link in the show notes or go to nature's image farm on Facebook. Soon there'll be a website and you can just go to the website and place orders from there. Just make sure you let Greg know that you heard about this offer on the sample hour. Um, our additional affiliates, as you may have known, as you may have known, that makes a lot of sense. As you may know, first we have newfarmsupply.com. So go to newfarmsupply.com if you want to get trees, grafting tools, a bunch of cool permy stuff. Check out what Grant Schultz has. Changes regularly. Um, so go there. Use code word sample and save 20% on anything you buy. Um, and finally, we are an affiliate with ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. So if you click on the link in the show notes, you can actually save $100 on the course itself. Um, or there's also one for the payment plan, which is the way that I went. So everybody, I hope you enjoy this show. And uh, keep tuning in and share this podcast with all your friends. Thanks a lot, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I am happy to have this guest on. When I was at Permaculture Voices and um, was networking and meeting people, our mutual friend, J.M. Fortier, said, Hey, Drew, you should get this guy on the podcast. And he was very reluctant to that he would be interesting enough to be on my podcast, oddly enough. And then uh, I got to know Eric. He's a great guy. Um Actually, because of him, I have the best farming boots ever, which was also another <laughs> recommendation from you and JM. Um, but he is the uh, he is the owner and operator of it is Steadfast Farms, correct? Steadfast, yeah, Steadfast Farm. Steadfast Farm. 
Um, him and his farming. which him and his wife run um, out in Arizona. So you guys are farming in the desert, which is pretty badass. Um, yeah, yeah. Mr. Eric Schultz, man. So in, for anybody that hasn't listened, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Eric was uh, he did a great podcast on Farmer to Farmer. So um, I don't want to have you talk about the same things exactly. So, uh, but sure. uh, anyways, man, thanks for coming on the show, Eric. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And a, lot's, a lot has changed for us since we did the Farmer to Farmer, so I'm sure there's plenty for us to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even since March when I met you. So, because we talked about yeah. doing this, uh, we've talked about doing this for a while, but I mean, we just both get busy and it's, um, I, I always appreciate your, you know, advice about stuff whenever I ask it and the support. I, you like my posts on Facebook, which is encouraging. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> but anyways, so... I thought it was interesting because, I mean, you weren't – a lot of us like that get into this um, in the small-scale farming world, we don't come in. Um, we come in and we try to start from scratch, especially kind of from the permaculture scene. But you were originally in landscaping, and then you made a transition to pretty much taking over a humongous farm. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit, Eric, real quick, just to kind of get us going? Yeah, yeah. I can give you a little a little background. Um so, yeah, my background is in, uh, my career is in landscape design. And so I worked for a design build firm uh, in Phoenix and uh, basically did design sales for uh, high, high-end residential and commercial landscaping, hardscaping, that sort of thing. So um, did that for a number of years and um, through, uh, I guess, through meeting different folks ended up getting uh, involved with uh, a mixed-use project, um, Agrihood community um, called Agritopia, uh, where it was a, it's about 15 years old now, um, but this goes back maybe uh, when it was about seven or eight years old, um, and they have a community where they uh, basically built uh, about 450 homes around a working farm, and uh, they had asked me to help them with some different design components of that, starting with a community garden. So I, uh, I designed uh, like a 43 plot community garden where residents and other people from the surrounding communities could come in and essentially grow their own food. Um, and so that was kind of my first, um, f- first uh, kind of dip into kind of that farming world. And I'd always been kind of a gardener in that. And so I was familiar somewhat, but, um, starting to design from um, from that perspective was 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 new. So um, worked on that for a while. We got that up and running, and then uh, there was a mixed use project uh, on property that they wanted to do, where they wanted to integrate uh, more residential, more in like a, a loft style residential, um, along with more like food artisans and restaurants and that sort of thing. And so they asked me to help them design the land plan for that. And in doing so, um, kind of immerse myself in, in more of what that community was doing. And um, at that time, they didn't have a farmer uh, running the commercial farm. And um, my nature is kind of one that likes to solve problems, um, think of systems and that sort of thing. So um, kind of fast forwarding, I ended up deciding to uh, step out of uh, landscape design and I had to do with a lot of different things, wanting to do something new, wanting to get away from the wave and the ups and downs of the housing market and that sort of thing. 
Um, but I uh, decided to take this kind of leap into farming with really no experience of running a commercial farm. And so it was quite a, quite an adjustment. So, so but uh, you moved took, my family. Yeah. I was just going to say, so you had no experience in how many is, so, and you were saying you're, you moved your family there. Um, how many yeah. acres did you, did you start take, did you take over from not having any experience? And then just sure. like, at the time, yeah, at, at the time there was 21 acres, um, about five acres set aside for row crop vegetables, um, about, let me think, um, seven acres for orchards. Um, and in those orchards, they were, they had, um, 18 varieties of citrus and peaches and apples. And then, uh, medjool dates, which is a pretty unusual thing, um, olives. So all those things. And then they had some, um, kind of more, uh, like larger fields for growing grains or, or, you know, uh, hay and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, that was basically it. So quite, quite a bit right off the bat. Yeah. That's a lot to chew off. So, and you, and so you moved the family into the neighborhood and your wife was on board, like, Hey, let's go ahead and, and do this or, cause I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. She, you know, she was cautiously optimistic, but you know, that's awesome, man. Um, now is she farm now? Does she farm with you then now? Like, uh, or did, was she on the farm too? Like working with you? Yeah. So when we first started, she was, uh, she was still working and she was pregnant with our third child. And so, she wasn't super involved at that point. Um, but then as, as time went on, she got more involved. She kind of, uh, she comes and goes depending on the needs, um, mainly her, her skill set and what she's, uh, wants to help us out most with is kind of more of the back end stuff. So taking care of the books and that sort of thing. So that's where she, uh, spends most of her time. Although, um, when we need help in the field, she's out there as well. So, um, yep. So she, she does all the things that, uh, I don't want to do and that can keep me in the field doing, <laughs> doing what needs to be done out there. So that's awesome, man. Um, yeah. And then, so, okay. So you guys move out there, you have 21 acres, you're doing, um, you know, you're doing all sorts of different crops, animals. So yeah. then when did you decide, you know, I want to start scaling down? Like, when did you, like, what was it that was just kind of making you say, okay, I think there's a different way I could be doing this. Sure. So, you know, one of the struggles kind of from the get go, but I didn't really know why it was a struggle until, at, you know, at, at, until time kind of went on is it, the farm. I, I stepped into a farm that was already more or less set up. They, you know, the fields were established. There was equipment on property. Some of the infrastructure was there. Um, <clears throat> but kind of what I learned is it wasn't designed, it wasn't set up by a farmer. And so there was a lot of inefficiencies um, in how the project was, was set up. And it was designed more from, I think, the experience for the residents and the people that visited. And so um, it was, there was a lot of challenges with, you know, just getting around and getting things done. And so they had some beautiful equipment, you know, beautiful four wheel Kubota tractor and, bunch of Italian implements, bed shapers and spaders and uh, flail mowers and these different things. But, you know, when you're talking about two acre fields with rail fences around all of them, and then you have to make tractor turns and 
and maneuver in and out of there. It just, it, it just started to, to not make sense that we, we were doing things that way. And so um, my, my initial goal was not to scale back as much as to find appropriate scale our appropriate technology, appropriate equipment for our scale. And um, as time went on, probably two, between year two and year three, just realizing like a four-wheel tractor and all that just didn't make sense for us anymore and uh, decided to, um, we had one BCS at the time, but, um, you know, decided to go with a second and some some of the, the more popular implements for the BCS now, the Power Harrow and rotary plow and so on. That's awesome, man. So, um, so what made you, so what, what a lot of people don't know is you guys recently just, just kind of really switched things up. So we were yeah. talking about before the show, I'm kind of at this point and, um, for anybody that doesn't listen to mine, Scott's podcast, we've been doing it and, uh, I'm still learning, like kind of trying to master my backyard, but I feel like I'm managing time and doing this part time. And and I was saying, you know, taking a big leap is always like whenever you need to take a big change, it's always like a kind of a scary jump. But, um, so I mean, and, and I guess before I should get into that, I mean, maybe we should talk about too, you know, what kind of business you guys had really kind of built on that farm because now you guys have switched locations. Um, sure. And and everything that went into to wanting making a decision like, you know what this I think we want to we want to go in a different direction with the business and that's that's a really scary thing especially when you already have a business that's established. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, uh, early on we, you know, when you're trying to figure out how you want to do things, you're you're reading every book that you can get your hands on and. I went out and visited Joel Salatin and spent some time at Polyface Farm and kind of learned about their animal husbandry. And I was kind of bouncing around and just trying to learn anything I could. And that's great for a time, but then it's, you know, you have to kind of at some point decide like, this is the the direction I'm going to go. And so for the first couple of years, we did so many different, you know, farm enterprises. So, you know, beyond the, the hundred different, you know, vegetable, you know, row crops that we would do, uh, we decided to grow heritage wheat, so we grew three varieties of this this old heirloom wheat. Um, you know, we started milling it ourselves and, and and getting involved in that. And then, of course, we had our orchards of you know citrus and peaches and apples and medjool dates, which are all very time consuming and very uh, needy at times as far as you know caring for those. But then we decided, hey, let's let's raise sheep for lamb, and so we bought a flock of, I don't know, 20 sheep and uh, started raising lamb and doing rotational grazing uh, on the farm, kind of in the middle of a neighborhood, which is kind of, kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, pretty weird. Um, So we were doing that and then, oh, let's do, let's do chickens. And so uh, we bought 250 uh, layers, built a chicken, you know, a mobile chicken coop, um, designed it to maneuver through our orchard. And so we could keep our chickens in, in our orchards, grazing all the clover and grasses and really found kind of a beautiful system in that. But again, it was another, another thing, you know, then we said, let's, let's raise chickens for meat. And, you know, all of a sudden I had 600, uh, meat birds at any one time. And then we were doing turkeys and ducks, 
um, I decided I wanted to keep bees. So then we had 10 beehives uh, on property that I was managing myself. And so, um, you know, what I learned through that is um, to an extent, you need to cap your dreams and uh, on a small scale, which even, you know, 21 acres or whatever, but still relatively, you know, or it's considered kind of small scale farming. Um, yeah. But it's really tough to do all those different things on a small scale and be profitable. And um, I love doing all of them, spread myself pretty thin at times. But, um, you know, as time went on, it's just like, you know, we need to cap our dreams. We need to decide these are the, the core things we want to do and we want to do them really well and, and focus our efforts on that. So was that part of the decision of, of why you guys wanted to move? Cause there was just so much going on in that farm and it's like, you know, this is, this is too chaotic. Was it kind of like a, a quality of life thing? Like we have all this stuff going on. So let's let, you know, let's look to, to maybe move our farm somewhere else where it's maybe not as chaotic, not as time consuming or not as demanding. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we were, we're in suburbia, we're kind of there's we're kind of in in the public eye in a you know i kind of describe it as the fishbowl you know i kind of we feel like we're working the fields people are walking by there's pathways around everything so people so that was always you know there's pros and cons to it you know at times it was nice but at times you just kind of wanted to do your thing and so that there were some challenges there but then yeah when i got there i mean there was orchards that were established and you know and that and so we we had to manage those items regardless because, you know, that's, that's what we had committed to. And so um, in, in finding a new location that gave, gave us a chance to, you know, do a, a clean slate and design a farm based on, you know, what our goals and needs were and, um, you know, be able to learn from uh, successes and mistakes, you know, in the first five years. Absolutely. So what, because right now, I mean, you, you were saying before, cause you have, you guys sell to, I think you said 40 restaurants and you have a hundred, hundred person CSA, yeah, did you, 30 restaurants, 30 yeah. restaurants. And, um, and so did you now, are there going to be products now that you can't offer to those restaurants? I mean, I'm assuming the people in the CSA, they're, they're probably okay with different things. I, I've never had a CSA, so it's very, uh, silly for me to just make that assumption, but sure. Like, was there, yeah. did you send out a, a mailer or anything or was it just kind of like, uh, we're just, we just need to, we just need to do this for us sort of, sort of deal. Yeah. I mean, we announced that we were doing it and we've had a, a, amazing support from, you know, the, our restaurant customers, the different chefs and, and, uh, you know, our different CSA and, and farmer's market customers have all been very supportive and very excited. You know, we only moved 20 minutes away, so, um, it didn't really affect, them but yeah it did change or it is changing and you know what we can offer um so you know and a lot of that has mainly to do with like orchard crops um fortunately we moved to a location that has has their own orchard crops and so it'll, that'll be more of a um partnership sort of deal. a partnership yeah exactly so that we can utilize some of those um those items as well but you know we were growing medjool dates which is a pretty unusual pretty rare thing yeah after after hearing you explain what you guys have to do for those informative farmer 
I was going to ask you, how relieved are you to never have to do the Medjool dates again? <laughs> yes, I'm super relieved. I mean, it, it's, again, there, there's good and, good and bad about it, you know. So in a CSA, you know, uh, we, we harvest those dates in, in September, and it's a dried fruit. And so they last for months and months in cold storage. So it's it's pretty convenient when you have a, a light uh product you know week in the field to, to throw in a you know seven dollar pound of, of dates in the csa share and that kind of makes everything better so um so i will miss that probably when, when we hit some of those times but no i'm i'm super glad to not be uh on a ladder you know at the top of a palm tree right because right now is when a lot of a lot of that's happening and and uh yeah i'm pretty pretty happy to not be the one doing it anymore <laughs> that's pretty good um, so, yeah. so let's talk about your new kind of your new situation. So, you know, you guys have moved locations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how much how much land are you are you guys operating on? Um, sure. Or, you know, I'm guessing you guys. I mean, you were living in the the development now, so I'm guessing you guys have moved out of that house as well. So, mm-hmm. what's the adjustment been like? Because I know um, you've been super busy. Because for listeners that yeah. don't know, uh, Eric and I had wanted to do this a couple months back, but it's just things have kind of been busy and it, and it's just like, Oh man, I totally understand. Like get, get your business settled. Like it's not a, it's not a big deal. Um, and, uh, and so, so what, what is, how has that kind of shaken up and, and, and how are, how are things going? I guess I want to say. Sure. So, uh, our lease was up end of June and, uh, so, you know, the end of our CSA for our spring summer CSA was, middle of June. So we kind of had to finish strong and then hurry up and make that transition. And so, I mean, it was, it was, it was stressful. You know, we, we, we had to find a new house. So we had to buying, buying a home about 10 minutes from the new farm. Um, but then we had to move two two houses cause we had a second house at the old property, one for, for us and one for our interns and employees to live in. And so, we ended up moving two houses and the farm, you know, in a matter of a couple of weeks with almost no help. Uh, um, and so it was, it, it was not, uh, it was probably the, the low point of, of this year so far as having to move a bunch of stuff when it was 110 degrees out or, or whatever. So yeah, that's quite no, fun. A, <laughs> no fun, but now we're, yeah, we're getting settled. Um, we did a, a barn raiser dinner, kind of a fundraiser dinner a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, pretty awesome where we asked, you know, some of our, you know, our chef customers um, that have been huge supporters. We asked them to kind of, to do this dinner with us. We ended up having uh, five different chefs come out, um, a, a winery, a winemaker that we've collaborated with in the past and a brewery in town that we sell a lot of product to. And so we put together this five course dinner with beer and wine pairings and at the new farm in a, in a uh, air conditioned barn on property. And we sold tickets that um, helped us raise a little bit of money. Part of the proceeds went to some of our startup costs and it was pretty cool to see the community kind of rally behind what we were doing. And, you know, kind of, we called it our barn raiser dinner because we kind of felt like it was like this modern day, you know, we were moving, we were having to put up all this new infrastructure. So, um, you know, historically the community would come together and literally build the barn, which, 
uh, it'd, it'd be a little bit more difficult to get people to help build a barn these days, but to, to throw a few dollars and at, you know, towards us and, and enjoy an amazing meal. Um, and so it was a really special, special night. We had about 65 people there and, uh, dining and it was, it was, it was great. So that was, that was kind of, we got moved, then we had this dinner. And then just this last week, we really started, um, moving on, you know, building the new beds and, and working on the new farm. So we were finished the first 80, uh, 80 beds today, actually. So, um, we're pretty, pretty stoked to knock out 80 beds in three days. So that was, that was pretty good. So that's awesome. And so you're yeah. on, and, and so right now you guys are going to be going from managing 21 acres down to two acres. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the new farm, um, you know, when, when we decided to leave, um, kind of word got out and we weren't sure exactly where we were going to end up. We were, we were at this crossroads and we kind of had to ask ourselves, do we want to stay in Arizona? Do we want to, um, you know, move on elsewhere and, and, and try something different? Um, in the end we decided, yeah, we do want to be where we're at. Um, but, uh, you know, we got, uh, or another farm, uh, in town kind of reached out to us and basically said, Hey, we got 300 acres, you know, we're not using all of it. We'd you know, love to lease, lease some land to you if you're interested. And, um, they, you know, they're doing a ton of, uh, orchard crops. So they have, I think 60 acres of peaches or something like that. And, um, they do that really, really well. And, uh, they have like, I think four acres for set aside for you pick vegetables. So they have their uh, people come out to the farm and pick their own veggies and, and that sort of thing. And so they just, they asked me, Hey, would you help us? Would you kind of implement some of your systems uh, for vegetable production uh, in our you pick gardens? Um, and, you know, in return, you know, lease, you know, lease land. And so um, it ended up being a really, really good fit and really good, good folks um, that own the farm there. So we're pretty excited about what we're doing over there. So, but to answer your question, sorry, Drew. Oh, you're fine, yeah, man. Two I eight. just like you talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just glad no, you're talking, yeah. Eric. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't like to talk a whole lot. You're an interesting guy, man. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm on my second beer. So I thought that helps. So. Oh, nice. I almost, yeah. so I was planning on getting a beer cause I was like, you know, yeah. I'd like to have a, a beer with Eric, but that, that damn well, job. Me to I hold was, on. What's that? Oh no, I don't have hold on. You can go grab one. <laughs> I wish, man. I got actually. I got some moonshine. I could go grab. It's like it's not real moonshine. It's like that uh, apple pie they sell at the store. Um, but uh, actually, yeah. Let me go grab that. I'll go hit pause real quick, right. Eric, and we can. Right. So yeah. Anyways, I got my drink here. So I like All to. Right. Uh, cheers. Cheers, man. I like to keep the cat the podcast casual. Like I know, yeah. My, I don't know. It's like I'm not farmer to farmer, and I'm not permaculture voices, but I feel like I have a nice conversational podcast, and it's just, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about me that much, but I think, I don't know. It's like uh, I, had a, I had a blast getting to know you, man, and hanging out with. We didn't hang out that much, and then by the end, because I think did you come a little bit later to permaculture voices? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I believe I came. A little later, yeah, maybe like, yeah, I think I was there the second day. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and I don't know. I, by Friday, man, my brain was pretty, 
pretty just spent. Like I wanted to get as much out of it. And cause we both yeah. signed up for Curtis's workshop too. And I was like, man, I, I didn't even stay cause I was just yeah. so burned out. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a lot of good info. Oh, sure. it was great info, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, so what are the crops? Okay, so because right, I mean, you were managing everything. So what is going and what's staying with the new farm? Sure. Like, and how did you guys go yeah. about kind of determining that? Because I, I think that's really good to know. Because you're you're pretty you're really good at all the stuff you do, but now you gotta you gotta make a decision, right? Because you're scaling down so much. Yeah, yeah. We so you know we tried. You know we had kind of some options as far or flexibility as far as how much land we wanted out there wanted. And so what I settled on was two acres initially. Um, and so um, we had to let go of, uh, you know, most of the orchard crops, at least initially um, we have, we've had to let go of all the um, livestock uh, and, and those kind of components. Although kind of my, my passion now is, you know, row crops, vegetables, and integration of uh, livestock and orchards. And so, um, you know, since there's 60 acres of peaches on property, we've already, uh, myself and the landowners have already had talks about, you know, running, running poultry through those. Cause I mean, it's, it's been such a great system to see, um, you know, all the, the vegetation under the trees, you know, being a huge part of the food source for the chickens and the ducks and the quality eggs that come out of that the fact that they, they mow down all those, that, that green material. So it's way less labor as far as, you know, maintaining those orchards. And we got to a point where we had zero inputs in our orchards. It was all, you know, fertilizer from the chickens, from poultry. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so, and you know, the fruit was never sweeter and, and it, you know, it just, it just, we finally kind of dialed it in and it just was working, you know, and essentially we're just trying to let nature do its thing and, and, and stay out of the way. And so, um, you know, so yeah, it was, you know, see still the pasture, you know, kind of in action there and the, the, the poultry being protected by the trees, you know, that gave them shade and, and all that. So, you know, I, I kind of miss that already. So I think in time we'll probably, try to add that back in. Although right now to not have to get up seven days a week to, you know, twice a day to feed and water the chickens is, is pretty nice. So I'm enjoying it while, <laughs> while it lasts for sure. Yeah, so. man, that's a, uh, what it, like, uh, what's it been? Well, cause I know you're, you're getting ready and you're, you're probably building these beds in like the middle of the heat. Like when do you, yeah. so when have you guys been getting up to start working on the, on the beds at like five? Like do you, are you guys you know, out there at five working or no, honestly, like, because I kind of look at this, I'm trying to enjoy the process because we saved up money to make this transition and I'm hoping I don't run out between now and then, but you know, I'm, I'm trying not to get right back in the scramble and feel that pressure. So, you know, we're only working a half, you know, like three, four hours in the field. And then when we're doing some more work, you know, undercover. So today we, we're sorting and doing seed inventory of what, you know, but we've been watching a lot of seedling trees getting ready to plant those. So we're only putting in from have everybody starting between six thirty and seven and then working till about 1130 in the field. And it's, it's already 105 by then. And then, Jeez. you know, so yeah, we're knocking out like 30, 30 beds a day in that short, short period of time. Um, and then moving on. And, and so just trying to like, enjoy like the little bit slower pace while we can because in arizona it's you know we we grow year round so i don't have the luxury of 
you know, your, your winter and, and yeah. being forced to take a break, which, you know, I'm, I've, you know, it's a blessing in, in some respects that I can keep growing, but you know, it sounds nice to be able to, to not be able to also. So it sounds nice to, to take a little meal break. Like JM yeah. always goes and travels. Well, I don't know if he is now that he's working for the, the big farm, but right. you know, but it's always, yeah. I mean, it's good to kind of gather your thoughts and go back at it with a fresh mind. Yeah. Um, so we're just taking our time. That's awesome. So now were you able to, because it's, it's kind of, that was another question I want to ask you about, because you had that other house for employees and interns. So how is mm-hmm. that program changing? So, yeah, we, we did an internship. Um, I guess we still do. Um, but it, it's a three month internship where we'd bring in um, two to three uh, folks at a time. They worked for those three months, see a, a big chunk of, of a season, and then they would cycle out. So, um, and then we had some employees that, you know, started out as interns and then we're living there. And so during that transition, we, we, we made some changes and um, some of the folks that were with us kind of decided it was a good, good point to, to go home and, and, you know, take a break. And so, um, you know, we had two interns and one employee at the time. And so um, interns finished up their three months and they moved on. And then uh, our employee kind of, and that transition decided to go back home to, Connecticut, but um, I had already hired a new employee to kind of take over, um, you know, in, in this transition. And fortunately, she was local. And so uh, right now we have one intern and one employee. Um, they're both local. So housing isn't an issue right now. Uh, although we're going to, uh, we, we will set up something we just haven't yet, but we're going to do kind of like a micro micro cabins for people to live in instead of seven or eight people living in a four bedroom house. Um, you know, now we'll, everybody will have kind of their own space, which is going to be nice. So it's going to take a little time to get there, but that's, that's our goal. That's the vision kind of deal. Yeah. Now, would you, um, now would you have those little micro cabins? Like, are you, are you still figuring out where you'd put those? Do you think that'd be on your land or on the farm? Yep. land? Yeah, it'll be right on, on property. Um, Right, right on our land there. And so, um, and that, you know, that kind of leads, I guess, to kind of how we're setting up this new farm, which is, um, you know, through this whole like process, one thing I realized, because we did look at buying land in this process too. And I, I was amazed on how difficult it was to purchase land, at least where I'm at and the cost of, of land and so well, I, mean, I imagine too out in arizona like they're still building out like in those cities yeah. right so i mean yeah. half the farmland is probably pure speculation land and i know here in columbus like you have to go pretty far outside the city to get acreage yeah. that's not yeah. already because everybody's speculating that oh maybe they're going to build out here so the price just skyrockets it's ridiculous yeah yeah and, and we're we are a little bit more rural we're kind of that the outskirts of of town and surrounded by a lot of agriculture, but there, you know, people sitting on land waiting for to sell it for, you know, development value and that. So, I mean, we started looking and you're talking like 60 to $75,000 an acre of raw land, um, no infrastructure, no home, nothing. And I mean, we were, we wanted five acres if we were going to buy. And it was just, you know, I start adding that all up and then putting a house on it and infrastructure. It was just, crazy no no bank wants to lend 
on land that doesn't have a house on it. Um, so it was just, it was just a big pain in the ass. And so, um, you know, so I started to kind of think more about that and, and it it was kind of a fresh reminder of of the struggle for young farmers to, uh, acquire land and that. And so, uh, we decided to, um, we were, we were always planning on implementing certain things, but we decided to kind of like shift it a little to this one side where let's build a farm uh, around portable infrastructure. And so, um, so let's try to create a model that um, is, is an example of how you can lease land and then you can put up, you know, buildings and greenhouses and that, that are very, very modular, very movable, um, and cost-effective and you know you can find land that somebody is again waiting to sell it for development but maybe they're they'll lease it for almost nothing for you know for five years because they can get that tax benefit for you know agriculture on it you know and so can you set up a farm on the cheap you know and have inexpensive land for that lease knowing that there's an expiration date and then when that time comes you can easily pick that up and move it you know, without losing all that investment of infrastructure. So that's kind of been our, our focus. So did you guys, um, I just finished my damn mobile walk-in cooler, man, that trailer that mm-hmm. I thought would be way easier than what it was, but it still wasn't <laughs> that bad. Um, right. So what did you get, what are you guys doing with cooler wise? Do you, did you guys already have walk-ins or are you guys going to go that route? Um, yeah, we, we, we came from, you know, the last farm we had a, I was, you know, fortunate enough to be able to design and, and have it custom built. So we had a 30 by 15 walk-in, two, two zones. And so we could have, you know, a third of it at a warmer temperature for, you know, tomatoes and then everything else colder. So it was pretty spoiled. So the new, yeah, the new setup is, is all based on the CoolBot. Um, and so um, we are, we're having a building built right now. Um, that is micro it's, it's basically 12 foot by 32 foot, um, small kind of micro barn. It's a lofted barn looking building long and, and narrow. And so we've got it partitioned into three spaces. So, you know, 10 by 12 roughly, um, so you're going to run spaces. three different cool bots then? No. So we're going to do, uh, two AC units. One, the, the first uh, room is going to be just packing. Um, so, um, you know, just bagging greens and, and so on. Um, do all of our kind of packing stuff that we want to do in, in the, the AC. And then the next section over is is the walk-in cooler, which so, you know, it's, it's a little bit bigger than the other two sections. So roughly 12 by 12. Um, and that you know, is the cool bot. So cold storage in the center. And then the, the final section is tool storage and that sort of thing. So that's the initial building. They'll have, a, we'll have an off, uh, an overhang kind of covered area coming off of that. That's where we'll do our washing outdoors and then bring things in from there. And so we're talking awesome. super small, but, you know, building something like this, you know, we're able to, you know, build it for, you know, probably by the time we do all the interior finish work and the cool bot insulation and all that, we'll probably be around 10 grand total for that building, but just still pretty darn affordable because it's being built off site. It'll come on the back of a, 
truck slides off. It doesn't need a foundation. It, you know, it's all, uh, so it's going to be movable then. Yeah, it's movable. Exactly. So we're not pouring any slab for it to sit on, you know, think of like, uh, you have like tough, tough sheds, you know, kind of, yeah. Uh, so think that, but kind of bigger. So that's more or less what we're doing. It has this eight foot ceilings and then a, a pretty significant loft area up above. So we'll be able to do more storage for you know, different supplies up in there. And so that's the initial building. Um, and then once I can afford a second one, um, the goal, the plan is to then knock down the wall between the uh, cold storage and the tool storage and then make the cold storage twice as big and then move all the, the tools and, you know, have a shop in a, the next building over. So, that's awesome, that's man. That's the plan. Yeah. So, and then that, that'll be our kind of micro cabin for employees and interns will be based on the kind of the same concept. So all, all units that can just get picked up on the back of a truck. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. It's like the route now, especially because it, it's, I think, because like I, I, I personally, like I've been thinking about this a lot because, you know, Curtis has, is very effective with his urban farming system and. Sure. There's a lot to implement. And then, you know, JM has bought land, but then you see a guy like, um, you know, Matt Cofay, who put up all those high tunnels and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, and then I see you do that. And it's, 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 you know, there, there, it's, it's kind of like you have to be prepared to kind of be, I think if you're starting farming, cause not everybody's gonna be able to buy land. Like my, my, my partner here, he just bought a house and it has like a couple acres of pasture behind it. And nice. it, he got a good deal because, like, the guy's dad had died and just wanted to really get rid of it. And so he gave, Joel got a pretty good deal. He's going to have to do some work on his house. But, um, and then there's me, and, and I have a friend that has, you know, three acres already. And he just has been seeing what we're doing. He's really, he's one of my best friends. He's like, hey, man, let's, let's start doing this here. And, but at the same, like, the thing that I'm thinking about most is, what you were just talking about, like you have to kind of be ready, I think to be like a nomadic farmer in a sense that, you know, you don't know how long this situation is going to be, but you have to be ready to just pick everything up and move it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's very, very achievable talking scale that we're talking about when you're talking a half acre, one acre, two acres, you know, it's not so much infrastructure. It's not, it's, it's so achievable for, this scale of farming, you know, whether it's, you know, half an acre up to a couple acres, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to build, you know, a building that will meet those needs and build, you know, high tunnels that can easily be taken down or moved around on the, on the field. Um, And so, you know, this is like the perfect, you know, platform to, to, to work on this, this uh, portable portable infrastructure and kind of have a farm in a box, if you will, you know, it's um, to be able to, to, to pack everything in there and move it to another spot if need be, or, you know, eventually maybe be able to buy land and then, you know, set that up in a more permanent fashion, but we're not really making any sacrifices to what we can do. We're just trying to be smarter in how we're designing and how we're spending our money. Yeah. So yeah, because even uh, if you do find a permanent location, you just put that stuff up there permanently. I mean, it's not like that's it's 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 something I've been dealing with, and it was like uh, 
beginning of the season for me, like even when I was in, in, in San Diego, it was like, okay, I can do this. And then it was season came. It's like, okay, I was really not prepared. And it was sure. kind of like, cause I, that, that was actually like kind of the first year that was when I was in San Diego, it was like the start of really my second year kind of doing this stuff. And then it's, it's, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm learning so much though, because I, I plan so poorly and Scott and I always always talk about this, and he was just giving me shit today about it because he's like, "Well, man, you just need to work more on your farm," and uh, and it's it's just like I, I feel like for me, I was listening to your last podcast. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't know you listened, man. That's pretty. I was awesome. listening. To, yeah, I was listening, to that and he was he was busting your balls about planning. So. Oh, dude, fun. yeah, he he's he's a good accountability partner, man. And Curtis actually said that like that was something he said that was really. It makes a lot of sense. He's like, man, I don't use all, all everything I do is somebody else's idea. I just have made totally. it work for me. And I think that's like the, that's like the biggest thing that I think that's the cool thing about this community, man, is it's like, that's what we all, we all kind of get that. We're all, we all kind of get that. Uh, um, we are, uh, we're all working for the same thing. We all have the same passion that we have to reconnect with our food and, and you can and this you can make money at this on a small scale and live a lifestyle that you want to live and i think that's yeah. um i think for me personally like this this first year of really fucking up and failing forward has just taught me of just about um what is most important to me with this lifestyle and and i think that's and i think that was probably similar for you with you guys moving too like what is the, what is what is best for me with this lifestyle like what is I'm doing this. I know I can make money with this, but you know, what is the lifestyle that I actually want? Right. Is that kind of it too? Yeah. I mean, that's actually been a huge, a huge part of the, the change is, um, you know, when I listed off all the different things we've done, you know, what the, the main thing, I mean, we've been relatively successful, um, in doing all those things, but the thing that suffered is the quality of life. And so, you know, I've got a wife, I've got three kids and, um, you know, time keeps, going by and, you know, me working all the time, um, you know, it, it isn't right and it's not sustainable. And so, you know, and this, this move has been all about kind of regaining, you know, recapturing that quality of life. And so designing, you know, and JM, who's a good friend, you know, has been, you know, uh, very encouraging from, you know, where he has set these parameters and said, I'm only going to work from this time to this time. You know, and that's been good to see, and you know, and and it's it's the truth. You know, I went out and uh, visited him last, I guess last year, last summer, and hung out on the farm for a while, and um, you know that that's how they live, and and you know they they're able to to balance those things, and so um, that you know that's a big part of what we're trying to do now is okay, we want to we want a certain lifestyle, so we need to do X amount of business to, to do that, but we also want to be able to enjoy it. So, um, you know, wh- where's that balance? Yeah, absolutely. And, and now I guess we can, so what are you guys, so you're mainly, so, so your, your biggest goals now, cause we kind of got distracted, um, from, sure. from me just grilling you with questions. And then we had a real conversation for a little bit. Um, my yeah. bad, by the way. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> no worries. Um, anyways, it's your show. You do what you want. You know, I wanted to. I want to make it about you, Eric. That's what I want. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I feel special. You should. You should. You're a good. Yeah. You're a good guy. I got mad respect. 
Um, but uh, anyways, sorry. I think this 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 midnight moonshine might be fake moonshine. Might be kicking in <laughs> just a little bit. But um, but so you said so mainly you know silver pat silver pasture chickens is is a goal. But right now, what are you mainly just going to be focusing on like veg, like mainly salad greens, or are you going to do more of like what JM talks about in his book? Then for varieties, like how many different vegetables are you going to try to grow now? I mean, we because we're a CSA driven farm, um, and and I should probably say like we, I made a a decision early on that I wanted to kind of diversify where our sales went, and so we've we've separated or tried to keep our wholesale and retail sales at about fifty fifty percentage wise, um, and so to cater to you know what the restaurants want um but we also you know we're doing farmers markets at least you know one up to three a week um depending on the season and then you know 100 person csa 100 family and so we, we don't have the luxury maybe like you know what curtis is doing where he can pick and choose as much um you know and that's i think why one of the main reasons why he doesn't like doing the csa anymore is you know, he can do the things he wants to do and, and, and do that. But we've made a decision to do the CSA. And so, you know, we grow, I don't know how many, but I would say, you know, over a hundred different crops. Um, you know, we do the microgreens, we do all the, the salad mix and that sort of thing, but we're doing all the roots and, um, a lot of storage crops too. So, um, you know, even things that maybe JM has kind of stayed away from, whether it's, you know, winter squash, potatoes, that sort of thing. Um, Those kind of things have a place um, in what we're doing. And also, too, it has Um, a lot to do with your market, too, right? Like, I I think people in Arizona would probably want fresh potatoes. Um, Yeah, totally. And Arizona is actually a great, especially where we're at, is like a great place to grow potatoes. And so um, why wouldn't we? Have you ever thought about doing the... uh, I, I only learned about this, and it's it's probably a silly question. Have you ever thought about grafting the tomato plants to the potatoes? I've heard mixed things on how they actually taste, but I, I was curious your expertise on that. I haven't thought of it, no. no. See, is <laughs> it, do you think it sounds like kind of a waste of time? Like if you're going to do it, just grow them separate? Yeah, I mean... For commercial yeah, scale, in a I, sense. I'm trying to stay away from grafting altogether, um, and that's why even like the hoop houses we're building, uh, been working with, um, Claire Coleman and, and Adam Lemieux from Johnny's and, um, they're kind of helping me and put together high tunnels, um, similar to what, you know, they put out some, some of these already, but a little bit bigger, um, uh, you know, but are still movable. So they're built in modules. Um, and so instead of grafting and, and putting the tomatoes in the same place every year, every year to be able to move these tunnels around a little bit more. Um, and so that's, you know, we've played around with grafting a little bit, but haven't really made that plunge. And I'm trying to see first, if we can accomplish what we want to accomplish without. That <laughs> so makes sense. Yeah. That, you know, it, it might not work, but you know, a lot of it I think has to do with climate too. And, you know, and why JM uh, doesn't do certain you know, storage crops. Well, you know, he's, he's taking a break. They're not trying to sell during certain months where, you know, we're able, you know, we're able to go year round, but right now it's kind of like our winter, July, August are like the hardest times to, to grow 
stuff. But, so we have very little selection, which is why we don't do a CSA during these months. But, you know, it's, it's just summer squash and melons and cucumbers, you know, even the tomatoes and peppers, they're all, they all stop setting fruit and they're just kind of dormant right now during the heat and they'll kick back in and fall. But, you know, so to have those storage carrots and onions and potatoes and winter squash and things like that, that gets us through um, this, you know, this kind of dip in, in our production. So for us, it, it makes sense. And, you know, but also, you know, we're, we have the huge advantage of we can grow 12 months out of the year. So, you know, that 100,000 acre, you know, which is that number and that, um, that formula has been super popular over the last few years. You know, we're able to kind of take that farther because of, you know, uh, our seasons and what, what we can do. So that's, you know, that's kind of cool, I guess. No, that's pretty badass. And I was just thinking, too, like, how how is that? That was something I, I was going to ask next because you said the tomatoes and peppers go dormant now. I know mm-hmm. I was told, like, peppers will kind of grow in certain climates like perennials like they'll they'll stay alive yeah um, and they'll they'll keep fruiting like is that is that true in arizona how does I have all these exotic pepper plants in my um hoop house and some of them really aren't taking because i don't think it's hot enough here i think i'm having problems sure. with like the uh like the trinidad scorpion um and, uh-huh. and, and, and i think the ghost pepper as well ghost pepper yeah. really doesn't like my climate but it's fine in a greenhouse so do, do you sure. guys do the exotic peppers as well? You know, we do, we, we've kind of stuck to, so I guess to answer your question, no, we've, <laughs> we've stuck to the certain ones that, that, you know, our customers really like, and, you know, we've grown a lot of chili peppers, a lot of hot peppers, and, you know, you bring a whole bin of whatever, some sort of hot pepper, serrano, jalapeno, whatever. And, you know, people buy like, three of them, you know, to make salsa and it's, they weigh almost nothing. And so it's just, it's hit or miss with, at the markets, it's super hit or miss with the restaurants, you know, when they want them, they want a ton and then nobody wants them for a while. And so we've decided to, we've stuck to, um, more of like your sweet, sweet peppers. Um, and then like shishitos, things like that, the drones, things that are, are real popular and, following some of those culinary trends um, with that. So yeah, a lot of kind of mini sweet bell peppers and some of the larger and, but yeah, that's kind of been our focus. I always do like, you know, I don't know, 100 foot row of kind of miscellaneous chilies and things like that, just because I want to grow them. And and then if we have, have an order, we have them there, but like that's not been where we've put our focus. No, that makes sense. Um, but so back to the peppers, though, with the the kind of how they they'll act as a perennial. Um, yeah. So you basically just get the plant going, and then it grows, and then it you just you just basically prune it, then or. Yeah, and we don't we don't do that, but it's in some of like kind of the the, the homesteading, um, especially in Phoenix, where you can give a little bit more, when you're growing a few peppers, and you can give the attention to. Um, you know, covering them and keeping them protected from frost and that sort of thing. Cause it's really hot right now, but it also gets really cold. Um, you know, we have these huge temperature swings in the, in the winter time where, um, we can get down into the teens. Um, and then, you know, then it'll jump up to 65 or, you know, degrees during the day. So it's like this huge swing 
And so to, to protect, you know, a, you know, rows and rows of peppers and try to keep them going through this, the season just doesn't, doesn't make, doesn't make sense. sense for a, yeah. yeah. But for the people that, you know, maybe they're doing them in pots at their home, they can easily just bring them inside when there's frost warnings and stuff like that. And so, you know, I've seen, you know, people have done that with tomatoes and, you know, and, and the peppers too, you know, so that's, it's much more doable and on a small scale. So it just depends. We've just kind of like, we, we like, we like that, you know, at a certain point, the peppers, it's too cold for peppers. And then you take a break and then the next season rolls around and you have peppers again and they taste that much better because you haven't really eaten many of them, you know, between now and then. So I, I like, I like that seasonality that break. So that makes uh, sense. Okay. Yeah. What are there any crops that you, you typically have? Um, I guess is, is I know a lot of, you know, I know Curtis and, and my go-to just based on Curtis has been, you know, salad mix. Is that, is that a big, big crop for you as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do. I mean, quite a bit of salad mix. We have more challenges. I think, I think salad mix, it's, it's easier to keep warm, you know, through season extension, but you know, when it's hot, it's pretty tough to grow greens when you get us above a certain temperature. And so we can use shade cloth and different things, but at some point we just can't grow greens anymore until it cools down. So we're in that, then in that spot right now, um, unless it's like microgreens where we can control things more easily, but uh, it just gets too hot. They just don't hold up. They get really bitter. Um, and so we're growing greens from like uh, September to uh, end of June, probably. And then, then there's that break. And so our seasons are so backwards to, to what most people deal with. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear. And, and there was something else that was super interesting, like the way you guys have to water your plants. Um, I mean, we use mainly we use drip irrigation and a lot has to do with you know, the, the groundwater yeah. like with wells is salty and that. Um, so we haven't ever been able to overhead sprinkle anything, but actually the new, the new farm has a, an awesome like geothermal well and like no salt I'm told. And so I'm super stoked to, to try some in-field sprinkling and, and maybe some overhead in the greenhouse and that sort of thing. And hopefully make my life a little bit uh, easier. So, so um, everything know. sounds like it's going to be a, a lot less work with the new location, I, man. <laughs> I hope so. But anytime you start over, it's new soil. I mean, you're having to kind of relearn. And so I, you know, it's so early that I don't even know all the challenges yet. Yeah. I do, you know, I do know that there's a lot of, a lot more wildlife um, and, you know, pest pressure and rabbits and gophers and things like that out here, the new place than, where I'm coming from. And so that's a whole new set of, uh, new, new set of challenges. So we're, we're sighting in the, the 22, uh, this weekend with my son. So we're to try to reduce the <laughs> rabbit po- population a little bit. So you guys can have yeah. nice rabbit tacos, man. I remember actually the first time <laughs> I ate rabbit tacos, I was in Arizona and, uh, it's in Northern nice. Arizona camping and this family had rabbit tacos. And I tell you what, those are delicious. And I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you never know. Well, that's awesome, yeah. man. Well, I'm I'm super stoked. Uh, I'm super stoked for you and your new beginning, and it's it's inspiring Thanks. to hear. And I'm I'm looking forward to 
this new project, man. I know you're a super creative guy, and um, and so it, it's going to be cool to see all the cool things you do. And I'm excited to steal your ideas and try to implement them here. And uh, <laughs> for sure, well, but, like we talked about, there's no original idea, so I'm just kind of refining something that I learned from somebody else. And so that's that's the beautiful thing about these Facebook groups and and things where we can, you know, somebody can ask a question or post something and in real time people are giving feedback and, and giving suggestions and, and, and learning things. So Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it, it's great to see this community really like starting to take off. So yeah, exciting. man, I a hundred percent agree. And it, it's just like anything like a, it's funny because Facebook has been Facebook and the podcast has been my two, my, my number one and two best networking tools and you know, there's there's always you could always use things for good and bad. And you know, if you just get on Facebook and you stalk exes and people you don't like, then that's one thing. But <laughs> if you try to find interests and 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 connect with people that have similar interests to you, it's so amazing. Like what yeah. different people are doing, or if you have a problem, or you don't know what's what's causing something, then how many people are just willing to check out these references and just cannot wait to help you. And yeah. it's, um, it's so, it's so cool and rewarding. Um, but, uh, yeah, Eric, I, I just want to say thanks for taking an hour out of your busy day. I know, um, I know you're probably exhausted from, from working like a dog recently, but, uh, glad we could finally connect, man. I, I, I planned on actually being in Arizona next weekend, but with the first season of the farm, uh, I don't think I, I will, but I'm, I'm sure I'm going to return to Arizona sometime in the future. So it'll be cool to connect. But uh, if people, for sure, if if people want to contact you and 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 follow your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, let's see here. So yeah, I mean, probably social media is um, is is the easiest way, and you can get a hold of us through everything else. So you know, on Facebook, we're Steadfast Farm AZ. Um, and then Instagram is just steadfast farm, no AZ. And then I think Twitter is steadfast farm AZ. So if you just look up steadfast farm, you'll find our website, you'll find on our social media and, um, you should be able to track us down. So, um, yeah, we, we're, we're excited about the future. We appreciate you, you know, trying to, to, you know, taking the time to, to hear what we have going on and excited to, to see what your next steps are, Drew, and, and make, <laughs> yeah. making the, the plunge. I'm, so. Yeah, I got to do it, man. That's kind of like the decision that um, it's so scary that I feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing, right? I think that's like, yeah, that's kind of how life like, works. I, I'm not, I'm not saying you should have kids right now, but, I'm, but you know, there's that saying that you'll never be ready to have kids. You just kind of do it and then it, it all works out. So I don't know, maybe it's the same thing. I think you'll have to let me know. Yeah, no, I definitely will. And I'll probably, I'll probably ask for advice in the future for sure too. Um, like I, like I hit you up on, I, I realized too, cause I don't have a family or anything and it was Easter. I'm like, Hey Eric, what were those boots that you and JM loved? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit, it's Easter, man. What am I doing? And then you like, good. you sent them to me. And so, uh, I ordered some blunt stones and man, they're so comfortable and awesome. And, yeah, uh, and then Scott went and got a pair too. Cool. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're great. They're great boots. My favorite, favorite boots are red wings, but lacing up, they're heavy and lacing those bad boys up 
and and taking them off, especially when we lived, I would live right next to the farm, and I was always coming in and out of the house, just became such a pain. So the the blundstones are so nice and light and easy to slip on and off. So um, yeah, they're they're great. And there's another, I think Redbacks is another one. And yeah. uh, if you're if you're a, a National Young Farmers Coalition member, they have some discounts for a bunch of different companies like Johnny's and but Redbacks is on there too. So. That's my that's my plug for uh, National Young Farmers Coalition, which um, I'm involved in, and yeah, I need, uh, to, I I need to look into that because I just went on Amazon. Yeah, check check it out. But if you're not a member of the NYFC, check that out too. That's how I know Matt Coffey, who was on your program too, is through that, and um, a bunch of other because really he got cool a loan through there. there too, didn't he? Uh, I think he did the FSA loan. Okay, the no, yeah. Farm Service Agency, the micro farm loan. Um, but but NYFC is a big proponent of, um, you know, of I think they were in, instrumental in the microphone the micro loan program. Yeah, um, you know, and they're also doing the the debt forgiveness for um, for for school, you know, public service jobs and trying to to get farming kind of lumped into with that public service as well. So um, they're they're good folks, and uh, you can sign up on uh, I think it's youngfarmers.org and. But seriously, the the um, the discounts you get, I think it's like an ongoing, I don't know, ten percent or fifteen percent discount. Or that's a steal, like especially but, for getting like Salanova seed and everything else from John's. Yeah, for exactly, and I think high mowing's on there, and uh, growing from market has a discount. So tons of really great um, discounts on there. So uh, check it out, and and uh, there's probably a chapter in your area. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Well, anyways, uh, thanks for checking in, or thanks for for doing the show, man. I'm glad we finally got this done. Looking forward to, uh, I heard Diego say he's going to try to get you on Permaculture Voices, so I'm looking forward to that in the That's, future as well. Yeah. Don't be uh, nervous, yeah, I man. Him, no, no, I told, him <laughs> the dust, I told him the dust had to settle a little bit, and I owed you a podcast first. So, oh, so appreciate that, check, man. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that one next, and... Um, yeah, he's he's up to some good work. So yeah. excited to chat more with him. So um, anyway, and then yeah, when you get out to Arizona, we'll have some rabbit tacos. Yeah, that sounds. That's not, hopefully <laughs> it's a fresh pest from your from your farm. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, exactly. thank you so much for listening. Follow Eric and uh, and looking forward to bringing you guys another episode soon. 